Hey everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Oscar, and today on our panel we have Alex. Hello. Tessa. Hi. And our special guest for today is me. Yeah, it's the Oscar Sode. Uh, we're actually going to talk about me and how I got into JavaScript and Vue and everything else I've been up to. So hopefully folks are interested in that. <laughs> I know I am. Do you have a lot going on, Oscar, in your life? Oh, I, I have so much going on <laughs> in my life, which conveniently, I was just joking about this, that I effectively have two jobs right now. Sort of, I have my full-time job that I do during the day, and then I also manage an open source project which <laughs> is effectively a full-time job. And anyone who feels like it's not a full-time job, oh, oh boy, it is. It most certainly is. So like I have all that going on, but you know, I'm down. Uh, besides that, I used to do <laughs> consulting and that effectively was a third job. So I'm very happy with my two jobs now. But yeah, I've got a lot going on in my life. That's definitely true. I feel like jobs... Like to be a job, it has to pay, even if it's like Final Fantasy money or something. Like, does open source pay? Oh, that's probably a whole episode, <laughs> like all by <laughs> itself. Con like, I will say, like, you know, my project is lucky enough that we are funded. So we've gotten funding from like big organizations like Microsoft, smaller organizations. So we're very lucky in that sense. But, you know, for all you open source people out there who still are not getting paid, I definitely feel for you. And it all kind of happened kind of quick because before, you know, <laughs> this year, we made zero dollars just like every other open source project in existence. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, we have money now to like send people to conferences and I can pay people on the team to like do work. It's kind of amazing. And, you know, it's the dream for everyone. So hopefully, like all of you open source maintainers out there, you're going to make it. I promise you'll make it. Just keep trying. So when do you move to Singapore? Oh, that's a fantastic <laughs> question. And so no meme. I'm actually kind of interested in that. Oh my God. <laughs> like I thought, like, you know, where in the world would I want to live? And I think Singapore is a spot. And, you know, I've met Evan, like, have I met Evan twice? Ooh, I have met Evan twice. I've met Evan twice, so we're basically best friends. <laughs> Absolutely. You're like practically brothers. Exactly. Godfather to his kids. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my life story. You know, I was a wee little boy born in a log cabin. Wait, really? <laughs> uh, that's not true at all. No. Nope, I was born in a hospital. Was that, was that like four score and seven years ago, approximately? Like, you know, it's funny you say that because whenever I hear log cabin, I immediately think Lincoln Logs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln Logs are dope. Bring them back. So good. Lincoln Logs connects. Yes, like all connects. of that. Please. That is the bomb. Dot com. Connects were too fiddly for me. I always got irritated. <laughs> <laughs> I love them for some reason. I don't know. They're just super fun. But yeah, I was born in South Florida. So I am your friendly local Florida man. You know, I no longer reside there, but you know, it's, it's all good. I still have it. I still have that spirit in me. <laughs> uh -oh. uh, yeah, it's a little rough. So that's why a lot of folks feel like they can't quite pin my accent just because it's sort of kind of like a Northeast accent, except we just call things different things <laughs> than other people. 
Yeah, after like your second episode with us, after the recording ended, Arya and I were like, so where are you from, Oscar? Because we noticed you said Penn. Yeah, that's actually one of those things that I've tried to work on a little bit because I have one of my friends, uh, his name is Ben, and I would call him Ben. <laughs> and he would get, he'd be like, hey, you know, my name's Ben, right? Like, it's Ben. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Ben, it's Ben. And he's like, nope. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Which is uh, really fun. So it's kind of fun because overall, I thought, you know, I didn't pronounce things too weirdly. But, you know, that is one of the ones um, like the win when like it's so difficult for me to say that yeah i feel like Um, most people would would understand though but i that reminds me of a coworker i had a couple years ago that was like you know i i used to say pin and pin different but i worked on it and now i can say pin and pin and they sound distinct and we were like what are you talking about (laughs) it was such a sad moment because you really think like you're trying like there's you know you thought he did something I'm not trying to dox myself, but somewhere in my neighborhood, <laughs> there's a restaurant called Zen. And I've tried really hard to say Zen instead of Zen. It's really difficult. But anyway, I'm working on it. I'll get better. You know, if I ever want to be a speaker, that's what I got to do. If I ever want to host a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to work on it. That is one of the criteria we have on our vetting list. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wait, how do I get past that vetting list then? I don't I don't know. That was a mistake. Yeah. It's the blue hair it threw you off. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I mean, that's sort of, you know, how most kids work out. I mean, I got into technology sort of the way I feel like a lot of people do by just playing around with computers and just having a good time. Sort of like my dad doesn't work in like anything like software related or whatever. But back in the day in his office, he had some old computers and on like take your kid to work day, <laughs> I'd sit in his office and I'd take apart the computers and I'd put them back together. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Look, look at these computers. And I, you know, learned about all the parts and everything. And that was like cool. Except, you know, one day I, I hit the point where I was like, you know, I don't really know how computers work. Like I can click on stuff on my screen and move stuff around, but I don't understand how like that works. And so I went to ye old library, you know, remember those? Those were pretty cool, right? I went to the library. I picked up Java for dummies. I was going to say, wasn't it for dummies that you got started in anyway? Yep, absolutely. Nice. It was Java for dummies. And another book I, ch- I checked out at the time, I'm just remembering this now. I also got Ajax for dummies. <laughs> that's not a very good, I'm going to learn programming. <laughs> really big yeah. this book. I mean, it revolutionized the web. <laughs> it sure did, but it's probably not a good first book sort of thing. But yeah, I worked my way through Java for dummies and uh, <laughs> I was able to write some Java programs, which is really fun. Actually, one of the first, I'll call it serious programs I worked on, this was around the time I was in maybe like middle school, was a blackjack game, which I didn't realize it would be foreshadowing how much I like to gamble as an adult. <laughs> so that's super funny. But yeah, I sort of, you know, did that. I coded on like little projects and stuff throughout middle school and, you know, sort of high school, which was a lot of fun. And I got to college. And one of the cool things about where I went, I went to Northeastern University. They have sort of like they're sort of working with some other universities on different ways to teach people, you know, programming. 
And so they use a programming language called Racket to teach everyone. And so if you don't know about Racket, it's a scheme-like language. <laughs> In fact, it used to be called PLT Scheme. They had a text editor called Dr. Scheme. <laughs> this was sick. But yeah, I mean, for me, like I had spent, you know, much of my time like coding like Java, maybe a little bit of like C sort of stuff like that. And then coming to a language like that was very different and bizarre. And I didn't know how to do it. And I love that. I love that because my college experience was everyone coming in and suddenly be putting on a level playing field. I didn't have a huge advantage because a ton of programming that I did. In fact, I didn't get good grades on my first few assignments because they were like, ah, uh, nah, we're going to completely reteach how you think about programming. And I thought that was kind of cool. And one of my fun experiences in the class was they had taught us this design recipe. This is like, oh, this is how you design a program. And the professor was like, okay, we're going to write this function and you got to use the design recipe. And they're like, okay, Oscar, write this function. And so I just naively wrote it, like just, you know, kind of any kind of way, didn't follow the design recipe. And he was like, cool, 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 cool. All right, class, we're going to all together go through the design recipe and write this function. <laughs> and then they did that. And it's like, now we're going to, you know, run both of them and see the performance of them. <laughs> And my professor roasted me in front of the whole class and how, you know, mine was like some horrible, like, enqueued implementation of something or whatever. And yeah, I mean, just, you know, really put me in my place. And that's great. <laughs> that was awesome to, you know, have that, you know, humbling experience early on really shaped who I am now, which I think is really good. But yeah, after that, that was when the JavaScript came in. I don't know how it happened. I think I've always sort of been interested in sort of design and things like that. So I cared a lot more about how the applications I was working on looked. Uh, like I said, you know, how does this thing look? I'm actually interested in going and learning CSS and HTML. And that's sort of how I started my front-end journey, just writing a ton of JavaScript. And around that time, React had just started getting popular a little bit. Um, and so I <laughs> well, actually, even stepping back before that, my first job out of college, I was writing like Backbone. <laughs> Do you guys like Backbone? How do you feel about Backbone? I have never had the opportunity to actually use it. I mean, it keeps you sitting up straight. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. Yeah, I mean, Backbone was the backbone of how we did <laughs> JS to Backbone. Uh, yeah. so, like, that was kind of dope. But sort of after that, you know, we transitioned over to writing React, and I was a React developer for a number of years. So, and Tessa, you're probably wondering, was I one of those React developers? <laughs> Do I look like Ari? <laughs> no, not the ones that look like Ari. Like one of the ones that, you know, you know, for the viewers out there, I want you to imagine me pushing my glasses up the bridge of my nose. My sort of like, oh, yes, I'm going to write the most performant uh, <laughs> functional component I possibly can. I mean, the, the trick is to do everything with a reduce function, right? If you can't express like anything you need with reduce. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was super into like all the really technical details of, you know, how does this stuff actually execute? How does it do all of these things? Which was really interesting because I did that for a number of years before switching companies and starting Vue for the first time. And <laughs> I remember like the first day on the job, I was chatting with a senior engineer and I was like, yeah, my background is all React you know, what's the translation of you? <laughs> and he's sitting me down and like telling me all this stuff. And like, he's like, yeah, you got to write a template. And I'm like, a template? 
I'm like, what? What year is it? <laughs> We're in templates. But I think after having, you know, written a lot of JavaScript code, I came to realize like, you know, I actually want something that's kind of boring in that sense. Like I want something that's just kind of kind of work. <laughs> I'm not really trying to be super clever about every single thing that I need to do. It's, you know, I kind of got to get some stuff done, right? And there's a lot of other things I could be focusing my energy on. And that's sort of what made me grow to really love Vue was just seeing how simple it was for me to get something up and working, you know, just how easy it was to onboard me and other developers, you know, who are coming onto the team. That stuff was awesome. Like truly, truly awesome. And I loved it. And that's what sort of made me start getting a little bit more involved. I mean, that plus at this time, I was working at a company called Tidelift, which if you haven't heard of Tidelift, they're working on the open source sustainability problem. It all comes full circle. Um, but yeah, they're working on getting maintainers paid. Like they sell a product that gives assurances around open source software and they actually pay some of that revenue back out to the maintainers. And that's how I actually ended up meeting a lot of folks in the view community was just because there's a lot of maintainers and I got opportunities to you know chat with him on different things it's how that's how I met Evan the first time which is really cool I remember not the second time not the second time (laughs) (laughs) but I remember getting in trouble because uh I was like yo Evan and we were chatting about you know whatever and then I was like can I get a photo (laughs) like one of my coworkers was like, no, never ask the players for a photo. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, that's sad. I remember when the View documentary came out and there was footage of people asking him to sign their conference badges. Yeah. I was like, that's a thing. Oh, it sure is. Because like, especially like for me, and I mean, I haven't even talked about like the open source part of, you know, like stuff that I work on, but for someone to have, this vision uh, for their project, sort of not just from a technical perspective of like building something, some technology that people really want to use that helps solve real problems, but also having the vision to properly market it and make it, you know, grow into something huge. Like there's a fair number of projects that are just really good and they end up, you know, catching on, but there's also a fair number of projects that they really catch on because the people working on them have that sort of grander vision. They have that idea. Like a design recipe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, having those thoughts of how they want to grow something and build something and especially, you know, building a community. And so, yeah, I, I definitely had a lot of respect for Evan and everything he was able to do. You know, I think while I was at Tidelift, maybe right when I started, that's when Evan went full time on view. I think somewhere around that time. And yeah, it was just really inspirational to see you know, someone able to actually achieve that. And so I was like, yeah, I want to do that for my own, <laughs> my own open source projects, which brings me to my open source projects. Yeah. When I was in college, one of the things I was really interested in was programming languages, sort of me just, you know, being a, a nerd, right? And I was taking a compilers course and just, you know, learning how to, you know, build a compiler for simple languages and stuff, whatnot. And, you know, as you do. As you do, as you do. As you do. Right. And for the final project in the course, our professor's like, oh, you can add any interesting feature you feel like to the language and that's your final. And me and my partner decided, I was really pushing for it because I really wanted it. But we decided, hey, let's actually take our compiler, which, you know, compiled to, you know, Intel processors, x86. And instead, let's have it compile to WebAssembly because WebAssembly was like the new great hotness in the web world. This was like 
2017, WebAssembly was now on by default in all the major browsers. And there's so much hype around like, oh, is WebAssembly going to replace JavaScript? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> sort of all of this, which was interesting. And I was super on board. I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. Like, let's really build something here. Right. And so, yeah, we sort of, you know, worked on that and, and that, you know, became the open source project grain that I continue to work on to this day. <laughs> and like, it's, it's a hard battle, right? Like, you know, working on like a programming language, a lot of the, I guess, toxic parts that you see in open source of people arguing about projects and things like that. When you start bringing that to the language level <laughs> and just people having opinions on what your language should do. <laughs> oh my goodness. It really, <laughs> it can really get to you. Like for sure. But yeah, I mean, largely now I'm working on building that project, trying to build a community around that, really modeling it after a lot of what I've seen in the Vue community. All of the incredible people who just are interested in learning and helping each other out, which is something I just don't see in a lot of tech communities. I just really don't. And if I can build something that's like a fraction of <laughs> as nice and kind as people are in the view community, I'll be super duper happy. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> One thing I'm curious about that isn't really related to anything important, I guess, is that when you were in college, did you have to do the whole like writing code on paper thing? Not really. The only class I think that we had to write quote unquote code on paper was like an algorithms class, but it wasn't really about like the code. It was more about like the design recipe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's more about like, yo, what, what are you trying to do here? Okay. And I think the only times we really even had to do that was like on exams where it was like, you know, they give you a sheet of paper and they're like, wow, I need you to write something down. Like, yeah. just write out the steps of how you solve this problem. But luckily, I didn't have to deal with any of that. We were like super, I guess, progressive in that sense. Like one of my professors built his own testing software. So all of our exams were uh, <laughs> like using the software that he wrote. But I mean, it was good software. It worked really well. And Okay, that was giving me some pause. Nah, um, it worked really well. It had hot reloading, but like for a whole lab of students. So like during an exam, like someone had pointed out that something was like broken. And so our professor just like edited the code and redeployed it live to everyone taking the exam. And like, that was super dope. I was super impressed with my professor. He's super cool. Shout out to Ellie Barzilai. He's amazing. I wonder what he's doing these days. Back in those days, I remember he was working on the TypeScript compiler. I wonder if he's still doing that. I should reach out to him because be like, hey. Back in those days, four whole years ago. <laughs> four whole years ago. Four score. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be like, hey, I work in a compiler now. Can we be friends? <laughs> 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 that, that'd be sweet. Yeah. In fact, the professor whose class it was that we started our project in ran into him on the street randomly a few years ago. And it was funny because... <laughs> He actually asked about the project. He was like, oh, how's that thing going that you were working on? And we were like, oh, yeah, it's going pretty well. And like at the time, uh, we had like 1,200 GitHub stars or something like that. So we were like, yeah, we got like 1,200 GitHub stars. And like to see his face, like the look on his face, like just be like, are you serious? Like that garbage project? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> really? Because like he works on like a real programming language, which I think we had more stars than at the time. Which is really, really funny. 
<laughs> just kind of funny how these things end up working out. Yeah. I'm just so amused at the vision of you taking apart and then putting back together all the computers at your dad's place, followed by the statement, I don't know how computers work. <laughs> like, imagine if everybody got to work the next day and you're like, why doesn't this turn on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was so interesting because like I could read books and stuff and I could read about like all the different computer parts. And the thing was, I felt so smug with it too. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. I know how computers work. Like, oh, if someone asked me, yo, how do computers work? And I got you until like, you know, the day I realized that I had no freaking clue whatsoever. (laughs) Definitely. I have made the mistake of asking my father, like, how does a computer work and getting a like four hour lecture on like, well, when you press the power button, what happens is, is that, and like the entire sequence up to the point where like you're using the computer, it was like, I didn't need that, but okay. Like, yeah, no, I'm super guilty of that because I think, you know, my interest in compilers largely stemmed from me just trying to keep going deeper and deeper into understanding computers, (laughs) like to the point where like, you know, putting them together to writing software, to understanding the programs that allow us to write software and yeah, if someone asked me, yo, how do computers work? <laughs> well, you're going to get a lecture, <laughs> a lecture and a half that no one wants to hear. That's certainly true. So you're into computers at work and then after work at your second job and also as your hobby, but in all of your infinite free time outside of those things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. is Oscar? What does he do? That's a fantastic question. A lot of my friends will say that I'm just sort of like the grain guy. <laughs> but like when I do get a chance, you know, I like consuming the grain father. Yeah, the grain father. You know, when I do get a chance, I love, you know, just relaxing and, you know, playing like simple video games, you know, stuff like that. Like for example, fun fact about me, I am really into mobile games. I'm like really into mobile games. Where sort of like back in the day, for you people out there who know what Tetris Blitz is, you know, just hit me up, write me an email, be like, oh, yeah, I was super into Tetris Blitz. Because, yeah, I was super into Tetris Blitz. I loved that game where it was basically Tetris, but fast. You probably guessed that <laughs> of that being what it was. But I just remember because I, I would, you know, just destroy all my friends in that game, just all over the place. And I remember I went on YouTube one day and I just like searched the game to see like, oh, I want to see like people's like high scores and whatnot. And some guy had this video that had a ton of views and it was like over 1 million high score. And I was like, huh, my highest score ever is over 4 million. And I was like, wait, am I good at this game? (laughs) And then, yeah, they launched like global tournaments um, that you could play like every day. And yours truly for a single day was the world champion in Tetris Blitz. And that made me feel good. So like, there's that. There's another game that was like Metal Storm Online, which is like, a iPad like flight simulator game or well, like fighter pilot sort of game and I managed to hit like top 100 in the world and like that game <laughs> I just like the mobile games I just take them super seriously for whatever reason but like yeah fight me in like any like first person shooter or anything like that and you will destroy me <laughs> like those those are not my games can't do it <laughs> Like, this just doesn't work out. I'm sorry. All new mobile games. But apparently Overcooked 2, we're in trouble. Oh my, oh, anybody (laughs) want to come at me for some Overcooked, you will get messed up. However, 
if you are phenomenal at Overcooked, also hit me up because we can work on a team <laughs> and we can set some new records. Oh, yeah. I love Overcooked uh, 1 and 2. Did they launch like holiday DLC for this year? <laughs> Because they had, I don't think I saw anything. They had holiday DLCs for like the first one, and those were fun. That is a game that just looks like it would stress me out. I don't feel like that's a game that I would I would enjoy because I would just be there like. Ugh. Last time I played multiplayer, we didn't cook anything because everybody else was just like, "I'm not gonna try to beat the other team by getting my stuff done. Mm. I'm gonna try to win." Mm-hmm. <laughs> By freaking like going to the other kitchen mm-hmm. and throwing all their plates on the floor, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> making all their food burn, just blocking the way to the like the output conveyor belt thing where you put all the final dishes. Yeah, it's so much fun. Like either playing like that or you know trying to actually you know <laughs> assemble all the dishes and, and get them out the door. You know, both are super fun. I think it was because you know growing up one of my favorite flash games was hot dog bush which is (laughs) it's a game where you are george w bush and you've completed your presidency you're sort of down on your luck as you do and he starts selling hot dogs (laughs) it's it's a hot dog stand i mean you gotta like you know do all the hot dogs and you earn some money and you start selling burgers you know like it's one of those kind of games and i loved that and then of course like all the mobile games which right now I believe the most popular cooking game on mobile is Cooking Fever, which is really good. I don't really like how much they added like payment to that game because obviously they're trying to make money and like that's fine. And like I'll pay you a couple bucks or whatever, but they're like, oh, you want this new restaurant? $50. And I'm like, relax. $50 for a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yo, relax. <laughs> Or making levels, like, I don't like games where it's literally pay to win. Like, the levels are so hard that it's actually impossible. And they're like, oh, but if you got these upgrades, then you could totally, you know, beat this level. Just, you know, 99 gems. (laughs) I'm flashing back to, like, a Verge or something article about this guy who tried to become, like, the top Clash of Clans player. So he had, like, five different devices and he would bring them in the shower with him so he didn't lose his hordes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never played that one. I know that that one's pretty big. I did play, oh, gosh, what's it called? It was, like, one of the war ones. Top War. Yeah, I did play Top War for a little while. A sort of similar concept. And it was funny because when I first started playing that game, I would chat with people in the game and I was like, oh, is this a game that like people play? And one guy's like, uh, it is only like the like top war game that exists <laughs> like on mobile. And I'm like, all right, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, you know, love those sorts of things. Yes. Anyway, I love mobile games. That's like a big part of my free time (laughs) being able to play a little mobile game something like that back in the day i used to play magic the gathering uh sort of stuff like that so if you want to get wrecked in magic i don't really play anymore but i'll still wreck you i guess like (laughs) we should we should chat after this all right because alex is a nerd in case you didn't know i got i got a i got a group of friends I have a nerd. I am a nerd. I yeah, Do you want to? Are you, you asking to get wrecked? Like, what's up? That's what it sounds like. I, Alex <laughs> yeah. is always asking to get wrecked. I used to. <laughs> yeah, always. I used to do competitive magic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> it's even funnier if I pretend I don't know what Magic the Gathering is. And you're just like, I was a competitive magician. 
<laughs> so for for the the you know listeners, I did competitive illusions. <laughs> for the listeners that don't know, it is a trading card game. You know, probably like the most classic trading card game that exists out there. TCG, as they say in the biz. Mm-hmm, TCGs. Collectible TCG. Collectible, yes. Yeah, so to add on to me being a nerd when I was in college, I started the Magic the Gathering Club at Northeastern. Wow. <laughs> which was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to do that. Except I was always so busy, like, running stuff. Like, I never played in the club that much. And so whenever I played, I guess people were just interested. They were like, is he actually trash? Like, what's up? Because whenever <laughs> I would actually play a game, people would come over and watch. And I'm like, I feel like they're only watching because they want to know if I'm trash. <laughs> Actually, a couple of years ago, some friends dragged me to a tournament. They're like, yo, Oscar, we know you don't play, but it's like a, it was one of those tournaments where it was like teams. And so basically you had three players on your team and you would face other teams of three players. And they're like, yo, Oscar, we just need you to play. <laughs> We're going to get you a deck. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're just going to play. And I went with them and it was cool because I think we ended up dropping the tournament after like the sixth round or something, but it was like a nine round tournament. And I think I was like five for six in like my personal seat. And I was like, wow, I still got it. <laughs> like I'm still, I'm still doing it. Like this feels good. I was like, maybe I should play. And I was like, I don't have time for this, nor should I be sinking nearly as much money. <laughs> like, it's like, it requires me to really get back into this. Which it's bad because I have friends that, you know, after graduating college, uh, they're like, oh, we're software engineers now. We can afford all the magic cards we want. (laughs) Yeah, if you think about it, trading card games were the original pay to win. Yeah, in a sense. I mean, I sort of disagree with that because a lot of people bring this up for magic. And I disagree a little bit for magic because they do have formats that you can play that aren't expensive to get into which I think is pretty cool where you can actually just be good, especially like the, I don't want to call it normal, but like the most common format of magic is just called standard. And it's like using like the most recent cards that are printed. And so you can actually just go and buy, you know, a couple packs, not a couple packs, a lot of packs. And right before like the very first tournament that happens after a new set is released, if you're really good at deck building, you can actually build something that's not going to be expensive and you could theoretically wreck people in that short period of time. You have like a week. <laughs> like it's a very it's a very short period of time that you have. And I always <laughs> I always would sort of laugh because I would, you know, try and put some garbage together to see like oh how it would do or whatever. And it only happened once, but one time I was able to put together a deck that ended up becoming one of the like top decks in the meta, uh, which was really fun. I was like, wow, maybe I don't suck, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Usually they were just terrible and not good. <laughs> I like how we keep on vacillating between I'm going to wreck all of you and maybe I don't suck. Two genders. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I live my life on a daily. And I'm going to... Insp- I'm going to say that everyone listening should do the same, you know, find like the things that you think you're awesome at, but also find the things that you think that you can learn and keep growing. It's that meme. I'm a genius. Oh, no. Exactly. <laughs> like, and this is how I feel oh, all the time, because when I come up with something really clever, I'm really proud of myself. And like, you know, I'll have that really high self-esteem for five minutes where I'm like, oh, yeah, this, oh, this code. Oh, it's amazing. And then, you know, five minutes later, I'll be like, you know, this is kind of terrible. <laughs> I should quit programming. <laughs> and like, that's okay. I think it's fine to have like those sort of ups and downs and just understanding like what things you're good at and what things you're going to work on. 
and all sorts of things. But yeah, outside of video games and other nerd stuff like trading card games, I do like music. So when I get a chance, I, I do have a piano at home that I'll play occasionally. I haven't gotten to play it. I'm going to be real with you. I haven't gotten to play it in like two months. Like a grand piano, an upright, an electric keyboard? This is always a tough question for me to answer because it's a hybrid piano. Oh, so you could put on the headphones at night or whatever. Yes. But like the thing is, so people are just like, so it's a keyboard. And I'm like, it's not though, because the one that I bought, it's got like a real like grand piano action and then like lasers to like interpret the signals. Uh, and then people are like, so it's, it's a digital piano. And I'm like, so like kind of technically, but it's, it's a real one though. <laughs> like, it's always really funny, like sort of going back and forth between that. But it's like, I swear, it's like, it's basically a real one, except it's digital. Grand piano action. <laughs> you have the mechanical keyboard of music. So I never thought of it this way, but yes. Wait, <laughs> yes, what? that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's all about this, the feel of the switch and like how you press the buttons and, oh, does it make that click or not? This is so real. In your case, it's like, does it have the right weight? I mean, I don't want to speak for Oscar, but I find when you turn on the digital piano thing, it feels different to the like actual hammer on string action piano part. Well, so that's the okay, I'm I don't want to make this a podcast about, you know, piano technology, <laughs> but that's like exactly why I bought this one was because it's actually a real like action, like a real keys with like real hammers. Uh, so it's not like they're not just like weighted keys, like the weight is like the hammer. <laughs> like it's like actually like it is actually real and then instead of just having like oh that's what i mean like i have a piano that like it's a piano but then you could also have the digital one but the digital one when i turn that feature on i think because they're preventing the hammer from hitting the string right so it doesn't make the sound oh you have one of those Still a little bit yeah yeah is that not what you're talking about it's not <laughs> okay <laughs> so those are cool i considered buying one of those because that's different because that's actually a real piano except oh actually <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. No, because that's you an actual real piano. No, no, that is an actual real piano because like it has real strings and you can press a key and the hammer will hit the string. But then yeah, you have a switch where it can just not hit the string <laughs> and like still like give you like this like digital output. Versus like mine doesn't have strings in it at all. It oh. does have, it has real hammers though. But instead of like having just like pressure sensors or whatever, it has lasers that read like the speed of the hammers and whatnot to like produce the sound. Yeah. So rather than hitting a string, you have a hammer that hits a laser. Yeah, basically. <laughs> kind of. Oh my God. Um, that was hilarious. You were like, I have an actual real piano. I was like, okay. And then you were like, oh, you were talking about actual real pianos. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's super cool. Like the, and also like the technology person to me, I mean, they got me when I went to the piano store. I'm not going to lie. I walked in the piano store and I'm like, yo, I live in a small apartment in Boston. Um, <laughs> What is the realest piano I can get? And so they showed me like the actual real piano where you can have it not hit the strings. And then they also showed me the thing that I bought, which so what's actually hilarious is the reason I didn't buy the actual real one. <laughs> the reason I didn't buy that one was because they had this amazing like sampling for when like you have your headphones on. So it sounds like a real piano. And I noticed that when I had the headphones on, when I played, it sounded better than when I had the headphones off. 
because the sampling was really good. And I was like, you know, I don't really want to buy a piano where I like, <laughs> like, I like the digital sound better. I was like, that's so awkward. Unless like, they're like, oh, you can spend like, you know, 20 or 30 grand more and get like the really fancy one. And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not even that good. That's the best part about all of this. I'm not good, everyone. <laughs> I don't- but we are going to get wrecked when we hear you play piano. Yeah. Have you bought all of this like piano stuff so that you can like play chopsticks on it basically? Like- <laughs> I actually don't know chopsticks. Yo, chopsticks take skill. <laughs> No, like I play a real, I mean, for people who are trying to figure out how much of a nerd I am, most of the stuff that I play is like video game music. (laughs) Like it's stuff that makes me happy. Like I don't, I play as a means to like relax and have fun. Like I don't really play as like a, you know, I'm trying to be a performer sort of thing. Not a competitive piano player. Yeah, I'm not doing competitive (laughs) piano. Um, like it's just like to have fun and like relax and so I'll just play like random like anime music and stuff which is really funny because and you know this is like getting deep into my life sometimes my grandma when she calls me she'll be like oh my god can you play some piano for me and I'll be like okay grandma and then I'm playing some intro to some anime but she doesn't know that (laughs) and she's like that's really beautiful and I'm like yeah And so that's really funny. I feel like it would be hilarious if you were playing one of those intros that's actually just classical music and she's like, oh, Oscar. And you're just like, yeah, get that anime music, Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's super funny. But yeah, I mean, I think for like a lot of people, like I don't think instruments have to be like a hardcore sort of thing. Like just, you know, mess around, have a good time. Uh, The reason I bought a piano was because after having just like a regular like keyboard for a while. I did get better. Like I got good enough to the point where I thought I was being hampered by having like, like the digital one. I was like, I don't want to build a ton of habits <laughs> by not playing on a real piano. And yeah, so I bought it and then I got a piano teacher and it was great because, you know, she would come over and she would sit down and be like, all right, how's it going? Oh, you're still trash this week. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the pandemic hit and she texted me. It was like, hey, I'm not coming back until the pandemic's over. <laughs> and so, yeah, I haven't had a piano teacher in like two years. <laughs> and so did she, did she assign you pieces or would you come with like, this is the anime that I want to play today? Yeah, mostly that. Because <laughs> she'd be like, what music are you working on? Like, what music do you want to learn? And so I would, you know, hand her this piece of music and she'd sit at my piano and then she would just play the whole piece perfectly just sight reading the whole thing and you know i'm just standing there just like oh i can't do that (laughs) but i'm like yeah but you know you're here and you're here to teach me and help me be able to play this piece as beautifully as you just played it but yeah so any listeners who like like full metal alchemist like it's super funny just like hearing your piano teacher just bust up a perfect like <laughs> a, a perfect uh trisha's lullaby on your piano and be like ah oh, that's gorgeous that's so good which is cool but then you also learn stuff like learning like me like i you know was learning some music from like spirited away and like because that music's really beautiful and so one of my friends who also like plays piano, except he actually like had lessons as a kid. Uh, he was like, oh, yo, wait, you got your piano teacher to teach you Spirited Away? Like, yo, that must be Bob. <laughs> like, yeah, because I guess I imagine he would never go to his piano teacher and be like, I want to learn this trash. 
It's like, uh, we're going to play some Joki Saishi today. And they're like, hell yeah, we are. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, like music stuff. I mean, my history of music is super complicated. So okay, I'm not going to go into any of that. But yeah, like I do do stuff like that. Um, so mostly like small little games here and there doing some sort of musical stuff. But other than that, it's mostly me uh, on Discord. <laughs> like most of the rest of my life is on Discord. And that's that. And getting stressed out. Like when I get the message, yo, someone just joined your Discord, I'm just stressed. Because I'm like, are they going to say something? Like, I, are they going to say something? Am I going to have to respond? Am I going to have to ban them? Because <laughs> like, like you, you have no idea who people are when they just join. And that message is so stressful. And so my day job now, we use Discord. And like, whenever we're having big announcements or something, it's like, oh, we're going to get a flood of people in Discord. And some of the under, other engineers are like, ah, oh, yeah, that's going to be so exciting. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's just going to stress me out. <laughs> but also you, I love Discord. It's great. Um, yeah, it's well, that's the one thing about Slack is that Slacks aren't public. People aren't just joining your Slack. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I guess you can have public links for people to join like your Slack or whatever. But like, I feel like that's not usually the case, you know, but in general, I love Discord as an application. I think it's really good. I think that's a whole podcast episode. <laughs> that is a whole podcast episode. Oh, oh, I was going to say, I just casually miss a whole big portion of what I do outside of work. Like the most, the arguably the most important one. Oops. Which is, I'm a big foodie and I'm really into cocktails. And yet you wouldn't pay $50 to get a new restaurant. Suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is super sus. You're right. <laughs> I will do better. In real life, I pay way more money to go to restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely like into restaurants and, and cooking. I don't get nearly as much time to cook as I would like to. But yeah, definitely. I'm pretty well versed in the Boston restaurant scene and, you know, what's good, you know, who the, the solid chefs are. I mean, there's like two restaurants in Boston. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so what's hilarious about Boston is, is all the food good? No, it's not. I'll be honest with you. It is not. You do kind of have to know where to look. And that what is something that kind of sucks. But like, once you know where to look, you can actually find really awesome stuff, especially when you start recognizing chefs. Like I went on like this harbor cruise where you just get on a boat and go around the Boston Harbor. And it was like a brunch cruise with brunch. And I'm like eating this brunch and I'm like, dang, this brunch is delicious. Like, why is this food so good? Like, it has no bit. Like, I'm on like this terrible boat in this dirty harbor. <laughs> like, this food has no business. <laughs> really selling the Boston food scene. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, this food has no business being this good. And then I see a sign. It's like, you know, this brunch catered courtesy of Barbara Lynch. And I'm like, oh, Okay. Yes, of course. I should have known. <laughs> like, no one told me that. And I would have booked it way sooner had I known that. Little known fact, brunch is actually short for Barbara Lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I'm going to tell people that. I'm going to see if I can find her at one of her restaurants and, and tell her that. Oh, my God. Just be like, hey, is Barbara here? <laughs> <laughs> I got a message for her. Bring her out. Bring her to the table. <laughs> Please bring her out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been to all of our restaurants except for one, which I'm still looking forward to going to. But yeah, so like there's that. And then I think even more than food, I'm into cocktails. And I try to like not go into that too much because I like to be inclusive of people who, you know, don't like 
care about alcohol or you know talk about it a ton, uh, even though I, I make some mean mocktails, just going to say. And I also, I hate the word mocktail as well. I wish there was a better word. It makes it seem like a second-class citizen. It's Yeah, it's way better than virgin cocktail. <laughs> like, it's way better than that. So that's just kind of the word we got, I guess. But yeah, that's like a very big part of what I'm interested in, just trying new ingredients, trying things out, finding the best places to go. I think we talked on our beverage Twitter space about how you're also a big fan of pickle bags. Oh, yes. I love pickles. <laughs> like pickles are delicious. Oh, good. Vinegar is delicious. And so when you can combine that with other things that you love, you're just going to have a good time. <laughs> like you're going to have a great time. Oh, man. Yeah. And especially like <laughs> yeah, not getting too much into like cocktail talk, but like just having like a Gibson, you know, which is like a classic like vodka martini. But instead of like olives, you're putting cocktail onions or like pickled onions and like just getting a splash of like that, you know, pickle onion juice into the cocktail is just absolutely delicious. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. This is making me wonder, though, why, like, no pretentious, like, Brooklyn joint has come up with, like, a kimchi back or something where you have, like, a shot of soju and then you have to drink a shot of kimchi juice. Oh, you just invented something right there. Oh, you just invented something right there. I might steal that for myself. Oh, my God. Let me know how it is. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm going to try it and I'll let you know. But yeah, I mean, after it's all said and done, when I'm done on my technology journey and I eventually retire, I think the number one thing I want to do is open a cocktail bar. That's sort of my life path. If I like, so I guess it's two things. If I end up doing okay, I'll open a cocktail bar. If I, you know, become like dummy, like thick in the bank account, then like I'll probably like go run like a winery. (laughs) <laughs> I think those are like the two things. Like I've already got like the name for my cocktail bar picked out. Like I was going to say, what's the name for the winery versus the cocktail bar? So the name of the cocktail bar, it'll be called Cordial and it will just be incredible. It'll be so, like, it's going to be a nice, like laid back vibe, like not too full of itself, but like the cocktails are going to be truly exquisite, like just absolutely fantastic. And so sorry about the price of the cocktails, but it's going to be worth it. It's not going to be like, you know, fancy cocktail bars you go to where the cocktails are fine, but they're $19. You know, it won't be that. They'll actually be banging or bussing, as the kids say these days. So that's that. For the winery, I actually don't know. I've never thought about the name of the winery. And I guess that means I'm not, you know, envisioning how I'm going to get super rich because <laughs> I haven't spent enough time thinking about like, yo, when I'm super rich and I have my winery, this is what it will be called. This is the region it will be in. Like I imagine, you know, it'll be in like Sonoma probably unless like, I don't know, I get kicked out of the States. <laughs> like I like move somewhere else to have my winery. I don't know. A lot of people like retiring in Spain. I could totally have a winery in Spain. Ooh, Oscar Spain, sir. <laughs> Oscar Spain, sir. Exactly. But yeah, like that's huge. So if anyone ever, like a lot of people are like, oh, can I like buy you a beer? And I'm more just like, you'll buy me a cocktail. <laughs> like I'll, I'll be a really happy camper. But yeah, that's just me. Nice. I actually refound my cocktail tickets from View Toronto because I think I didn't, I didn't use them or I only used one and then somebody else gave me theirs too. And I was like, what am I going to do with these? So I have like four random <laughs> free drink tickets that i could never use 
Yeah, it's kind of sad because you're like, you know, these have like wasted value. Like even if you weren't going to get, you know, something alcoholic, like just getting because get, you know how I feel about sparkling water. Yeah, but like when you ask for a sparkling water or a Diet Coke, they're always like no charge. I mean, preferably, I have great, great animosity for places that will charge me <laughs> when I want a sparkling water. Ones that charge you also always have like the worst sparkling water slash soda. It's always like flat or not the right mm-hmm. syrup ratio. Mm-hmm. It's super sad. And I, quite frankly, they need to do better. Um, I just had a flashback to a time I ordered like a seltzer or, or water or Diet Coke or something. I said, no lemon. And they brought it with lemon in it. And I was like, oh, I said I wanted no lemon. And because... So the reason I didn't want lemon is because, like, they don't always wash the outside of the lemon. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't need the flavor of it in the drink. So the guy just sticks his hand in the water or whatever it don't was. Say <laughs> don't, don't say that. Don't lemon. say that. And I was like, why would you do that? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, that does remind me of a time when my friends, I think it was their sister was working in a restaurant as a hostess. And someone said, oh, can I get some, like, lemon? For my drink and she just brought it out in her hand <laughs> like just like hey here you go <laughs> um, and it's like yeah so these things do happen yep. all across america and probably the world don't ask for lemon in your drinks i guess it's <laughs> the moral of the story no lemon no ice mm-hmm. oh yeah let's not talk about ice <laughs> Are we good? Do we want to wrap up? Oh, I'm not the host. I'm not driving this thing. Yeah, we can. How should I wrap up? Uh, think of something pithy and clever to say that transitions us into uh, the picks. Or sum yourself up in a sentence. I will say, I do feel like the rule is if you bring up a musical instrument on the show, you have to play the closing theme for that episode on that instrument. Yes. If my piano were in my room, I would. <laughs> you know what? It's, it can be async. <laughs> we can record it later. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you can mark your time or the next thing that I say will be the witty thing that transitions us. <laughs> Imagine if that stays on the show. Alex's look of disappointment right now is amazing. He's just, he's just trying to mentally prepare for how much your transition is going to wreck us. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> what was the last thing we were even talking about? Drinks. Oh, I, drinks and ice. Ice? No ice. You could be like, well, just like you wouldn't pick a lemon out of a drink. Oh, I'm going to say that. Thank oh, you. No. Oh, that's what I'm going to say. All right, here we go. Well, just like you wouldn't pick a lemon out of a drink. <laughs> Let's talk about our picks. Alex, what do you got for us? So my pick this week, I grew up listening to the Beatles and I've found that they take up a very specific place in my soul, whether I want them to or not. And so I have to listen to their music every once in a while because it fills a certain need in my uh, life. And I think we can get like an exorcist for that or an exterminator. Yeah, I know. Right. But 
Disney Plus has recently released a new documentary called The Beatles Get Back. And basically, The Beatles had a very famous concert, their last concert that they did that was on top of the Apple Studios where they recorded some of their last albums. And this is a documentary of like the month leading up to that event. And they didn't know that it was going to happen. And this is like the begin. This is sort of like in the middle of like the Beatles falling apart. And so it's fantastic and amazing to watch these people that get put up on this pedestal being human and like the disagreements and arguments that they have and stuff like that. And it's, it's fascinating to kind of watch it. It's good background noise because it's a lot of like, yeah, no, so like, that's not the right lyric there. I don't think so. You know, maybe we should, maybe we should write something different there. Right. And so it's a lot of that. And like, you'll hear like versions of the song where you're like, that's not the lyric. That's not, you haven't found it yet. And then like, they eventually get it and they're like, no, I don't think that's right. And you're like, no, no, that's right. That's the lyric. That's the one that you want. So it's really nice. It's really good. It's, I'm enjoying it. This reminds me of that tweet where they're like, the closest you get to feeling like a ghost is when the people on the podcast you're listening to don't know what something is and you know the answer. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. There's a lot of that. And yeah, it's just, it's been very pleasant and I've been enjoying putting that on. It is like three, it's in three parts and each part is like two and a half hours. So, oh, wow. And that's cut down from like 60 hours worth of film and like 150 hours worth of audio that Peter Jackson has pieced together to make this. Pieced together. So yeah, that is my pick this week is the Beatles get back on Disney plus. Sweet. What's the pettiest argument they had or pediest argument? Well, I mean, George leaves in the middle of it. So like, it's just lots of like them getting on each other's nerves, basically. So, <laughs> nice. Tessa, what do you have for us? My first pick is a game that's not for me, but I feel like it's for someone. So, if that's you, listen up. It's a mobile game and also a PC and con- various console game called Alba from Us Two Games. And You basically play a kid that's trying to save a nature preserve on an island. And the way that you do that is basically taking photographs of birds in theory. But like the thing is, the photographs that you take actually don't matter. The only thing that matters is that like you can find the bird in the viewfinder of your phone. Because like whatever picture that gets saved is not the one that you took. So that's part of what annoys me about the game. Another thing that I don't like is that the controls are kind of opaque, but Basically, yeah, you're just running around this island. There's a lot of bird and nature noises, and there's like weirdly buff squirrels. <laughs> I just wish everything was a little bit more specific. Like the story was a little more specific, the dialogue was a little more specific, the animal design is a little more specific. Because there's also a lot of littering, and the number of times that I thought a piece of litter was a bird is like way too high, <laughs> and you only unlock the ability to clean the litter like at the end of the game. So. Oh. <laughs> If if that sounds appealing, then maybe you want to check that out. You said it was available on mobile, so I might have to check it out. <laughs> it, yeah, it's available on iOS, at least. I'm not sure about Android. But yeah, I've, I've since moved on to No Longer Home, which is 
I don't know. So far, my impression is this feels like uh, being an art school. And sure enough, <laughs> it turns out you play an art student. So that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Next pick is a YouTube channel called Squirrel Jubu or Honey Jubu. Jubu means housewife. It's just a, uh, you know, last month, my big thing was watching a bunch of Megan Wang studio vlogs. And I'm watching this. It's like this. Uh, there's this fascinating, I think, trend of like Korean housewives that are extremely hardcore cottage core. And yet they all have these really like high res shoots of them just doing things around the house with like really good production value editing, <laughs> which is a funny juxtaposition. So this is another one of those. Um, and it's pretty calming. And then my last pick is, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but season three of Lost in Space is out on Netflix. And I love space shows. So that's... Space. Yep. Space. space. There's also one starring Duna Bay coming out that I'm excited about. So, yep. Those are my picks. Amazing. And for my pick today, sort of on theme, mine is going to a lovely restaurant on your local neighborhood and just having a really nice meal. Like maybe do a little bit of research, uh, maybe something that might be even slightly pricier than you might normally get, but just go and experience it and have a good time. And if you're not yet feeling comfortable going and dining inside and, you know, just getting a little bit colder, it's okay to order these things in too. And if you put in a little bit of effort, you can have a really good experience. Like sort of before your food comes, like going and like taking your plates and warming them up in the oven a little bit so they're nice and ready so you can get the food out Ow. onto the plates and whatnot. Just having all your dinnerware set out and, you know, whatever beverages you're going to have, making sure they're down to the right temperature. Beverages multiple, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah, you can do it up and, and have it be really nice. So that's what my pick is. It's just a nice restaurant. Yeah, when you said earlier, I'm really into restaurants. I was like, oh no, spoilers! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and with that, where people can find me on the internet, you know, on Twitter at Oscar underscore spin, GitHub is O Spencer, you know, my open source project, grain lang.org. Definitely check that out. I feel like grain could also be a good name for a bar because of like the source of alcohol. Mm, it sure could, couldn't it? <laughs> it really really good i might look into that but yes that's all for this week's episode if you aren't following us on twitter head over and find us at enjoy the view cast if you really like cats you can also find us at enjoy the view cats be sure to subscribe to the show and if you have time leave a review remember to tell at least one friend that you enjoyed today's episode and what you enjoyed about it and if you like the show, please consider supporting us on Ko-Fi at co-fi.com forward slash enjoy the view. Thanks for listening. And until next time, enjoy the view. I love that you're like, tell them you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's more that I read it wrong and I had to backtrack. <laughs> All right. I like read it. I was like, you know, I forgot. I literally forgot the line. My brain just skipped, and I was like, no, tell him you enjoyed it, and tell him what you enjoyed about it. Nice. <laughs>